Welcome to RVR's Life After Camp podcast. Learn about the camp and retreat ministries of RVR at rivervalleyranch.com. Enjoy. Um, and guys, I really have some important things that I want to talk to you about, so we're going to get right after it. But let's go ahead and, uh, let's go ahead and pray together uh, before we dive into the Word, all right? Father, I praise you. I thank you so much for the fact that we get to spend time in worship. We get to spend time in your word mentioned yesterday, that by the word of the Lord, the heavens were formed, and by your breath, all their starry hosts. And in 2 Timothy, it says, all scripture is God-breathed. So as we look into the Bible, we are digging into the raw power of God and who you are. So I ask that you would help us to see that, help us to see you, your truth, not me or my opinion. Be with us, open our ears, open our hearts to what you would have for us, and we pray these things in Jesus' name, amen. So guys, I know a little bit of this morning wasn't exactly pleasant in just dealing with the wrestling and the frustration and the disappointment And the reality of the fact that sin has bound us, sin has enslaved us, it has chained us up. And we kind of wrestle in this moment of, God, what is your your plan for all of this? And we came to the conclusion that God wants to remove us out of the prison that we're in. That for God to remove all evil instantaneously, instantaneously he would not be just he would not be loving so he decided on another plan and his plan his choice is to bring freedom to us but not our definition his a freedom that is redefined but that freedom isn't free so what's the the price tag Because this sin that we talked about remember we talked about that Hebrew word kata that Greek word amartia this full force that draws us in and it pulls us down it weighs us down we become a slave to that sin where we have to obey what sin kind of lords over us and in Romans 6 verses 16 through 18 it says do you not know that if you present yourselves to anyone as obedient slaves you are slaves of the one whom you obey, either of sin, which leads to death, or of obedience, which leads to righteousness. But thanks be to God that you who were once slaves of sin have become obedient from the heart to the standard of teaching to which you were committed. And having been set free from sin... Remember, the biblical word for freedom is to be set free. Having been set free from sin, have become slaves of righteousness. Now, when we look at that passage, you start to think, Wait, okay, so I'm going from being a slave of one thing to being a slave of another thing. Well, that definition of freedom was being able to think and speak and act without hindrance or restraint. And that definition of restraint was a measure or condition that keeps someone or something under control or within limits, chained up. So this idea of going from a slave to sin to a slave of righteousness, I don't know, that kind of sounds like a bad idea. Why Why should I be excited about being chained up by one thing 
and then being bought and now chained up by another. That doesn't really make sense. Even that concept, the word freedom bound, if you look up the definition of bound, it literally means to leap, but it also means to be bound, to be chained. So I'm, how does that make sense? Freedom literally means to not be chained up, to not have hindrance or restraint. But then the word bound is to be chained up, so I'm, so I'm free to be chained up? How does, how does that work? And Paul, he uses this language in the book of Romans. He uses this language of being a slave to sin and a slave to righteousness. And I want to kind of dig into this a little bit and, and break it down. I want you to follow along with me here that when we look at the chains of sin, the reality of what rights a slave would have is that a slave would not be allowed to speak without being spoken to. A slave couldn't marry without permission. A slave couldn't have kids without permission. A slave couldn't eat with the master. A slave couldn't go into the master's home. A slave couldn't make a contract, make a commitment to anything. They had no rights, no decisions, no choices. But then Paul uses this language of being freed from being a slave to sin, and things kind of get flipped around. Romans 6, verses 20 through 22, says this, For when you were slaves of sin, you were free in regard to righteousness. So when you were bound up in your sin, righteousness was not a part of the picture. But what fruit were you, were you getting at that time from the things of which you are now ashamed? For the end of those things is death. The end of sin is death. But now that you have been set free from sin and become slaves of God, the fruit you get leads to sanctification and it ends and eternal life. It leads to your holiness and it ends in eternal life. So the chains of sin, the chains of sin, if we want to jump back one slide to remind us, we cannot speak without being spoken to, marry without permission, we can't have kids without permission, we can't eat with the master, we can't go in the master's house, we can't make a contract. This is what being a slave of sin says you cannot do. But the freedom from those chains, becoming a slave to God, here's what God decides to do. He says, I have bought you out of slavery, so now you belong to me. And Paul says, so you become a slave to God. And God says this. He says, with me, you can speak freely. With me, you can eat with me. You're going to live in my home. Uh, you're going to make a vow with me, a commitment to me, a contract with me. You're going to be adopted by me. And you're going to become co-inheritors in the kingdom of God. And I want to break this down. I want to dig into this a little bit. This concept of God has bought me out of slavery. He has purchased me. The price being his blood, his sacrifice on the cross. And he says, you can speak with me freely. 1 John 5, verses 14 through 15, it says this. 
And this is the confidence that we have toward him. That if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us in whatever we ask, we know that we have the request that we have asked of him. So he has, listen, as a slave of sin, you are separated from me. But now that I have purchased you, I have bought you with my blood. You have complete access to me. You can speak with me. And I'm going to tune in. I'm going to listen every single time. There is never a day or a moment he does not hear you. It even says how the Holy Spirit, he intercedes on our behalf with groanings too deep for words. So even in our moments of deepest pain, when we don't even know how to express our hurt to God, he knows about it. He's listening not just to our voice, he's listening to our heart. You think, man, okay, God's starting to flip the script here. We can speak freely with him. We get to eat with him, dine with him. As a slave of sin, you can't eat with the master. But as a slave of God, he says, come in and dine with me. Revelation 3.20. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and eat with him and he with me. That you have the opportunity to sit down at my table And not only do I hear you, but we're going to know each other intimately. We're going to know each other at a deep level. We're going to spend time together. We're going to build a relationship with each other. But he takes it a step further. Because a slave couldn't go into the master's home, but God says what? You're going to come and live in my home. John 14, verses 2 and 3. In my father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go and prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come, and, I will come again and will take you to myself. I will take you to myself that where I am, you may be. He says, I hear you. I want to sit down and I want to have a meal with you. I want to get to know you. He says, I want you to come and I'm going to prepare a place for you in my home, in my father's house. And he keeps going. He says, I want to make a commitment with you. I want to make a vow with you. I want to create a connection, a bond to you that cannot be broken. Guys, one of the most beautiful pictures of Jesus' relationship with us, the community of the followers of Jesus that we call the church, is the relationship between a husband and a wife. And in Ephesians 5, verses 25 through 27, it says this. It says, Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her, that he might sanctify her, that he might make her holy, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word, so that he might present the church to himself in splendor without spot or wrinkle or any such thing, that she might be holy and without blemish. And you see this marriage vow being laid out, a contract which a slave wouldn't have the right to do. And God makes this marriage vow with us, the church, 
to say, I'm going to be committed to you. I have already laid down my life for you. Now I'm going to make you beautiful. I'm going to make you spotless and without wrinkle. But guys, these last two, this is what really gets me. That God says, I have stepped into your junk. I've stepped into your faults and failures, your shortcomings and hangups. I have bought you with a price. I have pulled you up in my own strength out of sin and death. So you belong to me now. But it's not that I want to own you. It's I want to adopt you. I want to bring you into my family, into my home. I want to sit down and have a meal together. I want to talk with you. I want to get to know you. I want to make a deep commitment to you that cannot be broken. Romans 8, verses 14 through 17. It's going to be up on the screen. It says this. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons by whom we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs... Heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, provided we suffer with him in order that we might also be glorified with him. So sin would say, I'm not going to let you move. I'm not going to let you live. I'm not going to let you breathe. I'm going to reign over you and choke you out. And then God says, I'm going to willingly pull you up out of sin and death. And I'm going to make you a son, a daughter of the king, a son, a daughter of the creator of the universe. And in becoming my son or daughter, you become a co-heir, a co-inheritor of the kingdom of God. And we talked about this idea that what we ultimately crave and desire and seek after is a world without limits. Because the freedom God has planned for us, it does include limits, but they're for our safety and ultimately our joy. So if you're looking at life and saying, I want to experience something without boundary, I want to experience something limitless, and God says, I can show that to you. And the way I'm going to show that to you is by you coming along with me because I am a limitless God. Because there is no beginning or end to me. So if you want to experience a free life, a limitless life, then you got to latch your life onto a limitless God. And we have the opportunity, we have the opportunity, we get to personally know a limitless God. And what I love about some of the worship songs we were singing, we just read Romans 8, 14 through 17, just a few verses later. Just a few verses later in Romans 8, verses 38 and 39. I love this. For I am sure that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. 
Guys, what that ultimately says in that passage is that I am a limitless God. And in Romans 8, 38 38 and 39, it lists off that there is literally nothing in all of creation that could possibly remove you from me. There is nothing that could possibly stop you from being in relationship with me. So the only natural conclusion to that statement is this. If there's nothing in all of creation that can take away the love of God, then the only thing that could take away the love of God is God. And here's the best part. is because God is consistent, because God is faithful, we know and trust that God will never take away his love from us. Now guys, when Jesus was on the cross, and what's so crazy to me is he's, he's born into this world perfect. He lives a perfect life. He raises the dead. He heals the the blind. He heals the deaf and the mute and the leper. He does all these incredible things. He's betrayed by his own people. And then they scourge him. They take something called a cat of nine tails, which were these leather braids with pieces of clay and rock. And they would dig into the flesh, down to the bone. They nail him through the top, what we would call the wrist. But Romans considered that the hand because if you put it in the middle of the palm, it would tear out. So they put it right here between the two major bones going up your forearm. Through the tops of his two feet, and they drive a crown of thorns with two-inch spikes into his scalp. And in the middle of those moments, he's looking at his persecutors And saying things like, forgive them, Father, for they know not what they do. And it's almost funny to me that he looks at these guys, the one who just beat them to the point of death, and he says, forgive them, they know not what they do. And it's almost funny to me that we look at our lives and go, he can't forgive me. Really? Your sin is bigger than the love of God? But in that moment of his death, and he says, it is finished, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. In in that moment of his death, something happens. See, in the Old Testament, they didn't worship in a church. They worship in a place called the temple. And imagine this room being the temple. But up on the stage, this space is considered the holy of holies. And there would be this massive veil that separated you and I. And inside the holy of holies was considered to be the place that housed the presence of God. And this veil, this veil... This temple was built by a guy named Solomon. And the veil was probably about 30 to 40 feet high and 30 feet wide. 
But at the time of Jesus' death, Herod had taken that temple and he stretched it a little higher. So this is a 60-foot high curtain, 30 feet wide. And it's described as being a handbreadth thick, which is four inches. Four-inch thick curtain, 60 feet high and 30 feet wide. And just to give you an idea, your average phone book is two and a half inches wide. So you think about these guys who are like ripping phone books in half. Okay, that's only two and a half inches. This veil was four inches. In the moment that Jesus proclaims, it is finished, into your hands I commit my spirit, this veil is torn in two from the top down. Because it was something only God could do. Actually, it says in Matthew 27, 51, and behold, the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom, and the earth shook, and the rocks were split. And I love this. Check this out. 2 Corinthians 3, verses 16 through 18. But when one turns to the Lord, the veil is removed. When one turns to the Lord, the veil is removed. And that word turn describes the concept of repentance. Maybe you've heard that word before. The idea that, hey, one day I'm walking towards sin, toward wickedness, towards all the things that are anti-God. And then I repent, I turn, and start to pursue the Lord. But when one turns to the Lord... The veil is removed. Now the Lord is the Spirit. And where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. That when you choose to turn to the Lord and enter into a personal relationship with a limitless God, then you start to begin to experience a world without limits. You begin to taste freedom. You begin to experience and walk in victory over all the things that are weighing you down and tying you up and tripping you up. And this verse goes on. And we all with unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another, for this comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. So guys, here's what that's saying. That when you decide to turn to the Lord, to say, I believe Jesus is who he says he is, that he is God, and I believe Jesus did what he said he did, that he died on the cross for me, When you confess those two things, you believe those two things, you turn to the Lord. It says you get to experience the limitless God, the fullness of God, the fullness of his grace, the fullness of his mercy, the fullness of his beauty. You experience him without any hindrance, without any restraint. You experience the creator of the universe in full freedom. And in the same way with Adam and Eve, he says, why don't you come and walk with me a while? Come and know me, talk with me, and let me bring you with me into glory, into freedom, into victory. 
Because guys, I need you to understand something. That some of you have gotten very comfy in your grave. You've gotten very comfortable in that prison cell. You've decorated your chains and you've learned how to live in bondage. But it says in God's word, he says, I come that they may have life and life abundantly. That I want to open up the graves and bring the dead to life. I want to open up the prison doors and free the captives. I want to break chains so you can walk in freedom and in victory. And I don't know what you came with this weekend, what you brought with you, what you came chained up to. Maybe you came chained to depression and suicidal thoughts. Maybe you came bound up in lust and pornography. Maybe you came feeling weighed down by the constant weight of feeling like you keep coming up short. That you feel like you're stuck in constant lies. You are literally being buried six feet under by gossip. But I promise you this, that there is nothing higher, greater, more powerful than the redeeming work of Jesus. And that is fully available to you. That you can not only walk out of your grave, you can sprint out of it. You don't have to trip and fumble through those prison doors. You get to bound out of them, to leap out of them. Those chains you feel wrapped in, they're not just broken, they are shattered. Because it says in the Psalms, he casts our sin as far as the east is from the west. There's no end to those distances. And you can experience freedom and victory by deciding to follow a limitless God. And that is only made possible because of the fact that Jesus died on the cross for you and for me. So here's what I want us to do. I want to take some time to pray together. And this morning, I challenge you to wrestle with the Lord and say, God, why this? Why this situation? Why can't I get free from this sin? Why do I still feel trapped up? And I'm going to ask you to make a decision in this moment whether or not you're going to hang on and say, bless me, God. It's time for me to walk away blessed. It's time for me to be done wrestling with this. I want to start walking in freedom with you. Would you pray with me? Father, you've come into this world to bring life and life abundantly. You want to see the dead live. You want to see the captive set free. And whether we see it or not, 
We are all captive to our sin. We are all dead in our trespasses. But we have the opportunity to walk in freedom because you have bought us with a price through the sacrificial work of Jesus. The God-man, fully God, fully man, walking among us, freely giving up his life on the cross so that we have the opportunity to know you. And just as it says in 2 Corinthians 3, all we have to do is turn and we experience the glory of the Lord without any hindrance. The veils are gone. We can experience the full presence of God. So Father, if there's anybody in here, if there's anyone in here that wants to make that decision to turn for the very first time, would you be working in their heart? And if that's you, if you're sitting there saying, I want that freedom. I want that freedom. I want to be a son. I want to be a daughter of the king. Would you just pray this prayer with me between you and the Lord? Say, Father, I know that I'm a sinner. And my sin separates me from you. But I believe Jesus is God. I believe he came to this earth in the flesh. And he sacrificed himself on that cross so that I could live in freedom in a relationship with you. And I thank you for that free gift of salvation. We hope you enjoyed listening to this Life After Camp episode. Discover all of the year-round adventures at RVR and find out how you can support our ministry at rivervalleyranch.com. Thanks.